This is the discussion of the opening of the Metta Sutta. Yeah. Yes, I was just going to comment. What really struck us was how... I mean, we just read what the first half of the half, right? Mm -hmm. And how rich it is. How, you know, every line, every word that you can just go so deep with it. It's, there's a lot of information. Yes. That's, that's really a good point. And that's what makes studying suttas so rich. And, and you don't have to read dozens of suttas. You know, you can, you study a few suttas and you get a tremendous amount out of them and you go back to them over and over and they keep, you know, growing. Um, Yeah. It's true, and, and and a lot of the language, yeah, has kind of layers of meaning. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, at the end of our little talk, um, someone brought up because I was saying when I meditate, I'm finding that all of these lines just tend to uh, automatically. I become more skillful and more humble and more, uh, you know. Um, by uh, a meditation practice but then she brought up that the first line says this is what should be done and here I was thinking I didn't have to do anything except meditate <laughs> and it would all just happen but yeah. what do they mean by this is what should be right. done right no, well it's an instructional teaching and it is definitely uh, an active active teaching yeah I understand that I mean I think that sometimes we do and when I say we, I mean Dharma teachers um, kind of give the impression that all you have to do is sit and everything will unfold, you know. And there's a certain amount that gets revealed through practice. I find, first of all, that it really helps to have someone kind of explaining what happens when you're in practice. Like you can sit and not really understand it. I mean, this was the brilliance of the Buddha. Many people before the Buddha had meditated, but he had this capacity to penetrate into his experience and interpret it and see how his thoughts arose and how thoughts of desire led to suffering and that when he let go of them, it it was ended suffering and how he could make that happen, you know. So, so that analysis is something that helps us. But indeed, you know, living kindness is not just sitting on a cushion. You know, the, this practice, and uh, particularly the practice of loving kindness, is not uh, a passive activity. It, it, it implies, you know, really being engaged in the world in this way. And that's what. That's what I think is stands out about this part of the sutta. Because where does it say anything about loving kindness in there? It's not really there, is it? Hi, we were also talking a little bit about how difficult it is to live up to all of these ideals. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's true. And and that's why, I mean, to me, it's another kind of uh, 
paradox we have to live with that we have these kind of ideals of you know perfection in behavior and enlightened mind and all and loving kindness where I would even if somebody's sawing off my limbs I'm not you know, don't feel any hate to them and and most of the time if not all the time we're not going to be living up to those so how do we hold that that's where again I think it's so important for us to be compassionate towards ourselves and forgiving of ourselves but the key according to the Buddha is intention if you have right intention if you have the intention to be kind to be compassionate to be generous to be wise to cultivate all these qualities then you're on the path you know and if you're on the path then you know you're heading in the right direction when you get there and when you know at what point all of that comes to fruition in some you know ideal way is not up to you we don't have control over that but our role is to set ourselves on the path with intention and then do our best to follow it day by day moment by moment understanding that you know we're only going to become we're only going to be perfect when we perfect ourselves you know and you know it says that the buddha perfected these qualities over many lifetimes you know the qualities of loving kindness and compassion and mindfulness and you know, generosity and all these qualities energy concentration you know that but you know so if it took the buddha many lifetimes then whatever that means whether there are lifetimes you know or not we just see that this isn't about like i've got to get it you know i need to get the, you know i need to get the a on the test i need to pass this test it's not what life is about right life isn't about like i figured it all out now i can sit back and do what you know i mean you know, the life is about being engaged in this in this journey you know and and constantly trying to do the best we can and uh, and that's why you know as i say my my companions on the path are forgiveness and compassion i forgive myself because i'm human and i have compassion for myself because i realize how difficult it is to be human so even the fact that we are taking on this challenge that we're trying at all sets us apart from 99% of the human race who don't even try who do, I mean, you know in tibetan teachings they say just the fact that you're exposed to the dharma is incredibly good karma you're incredibly fortunate you must have done something in past lives that you even get to hear about it i don't know if i 100% by that but the principle the idea to me that that i'm willing to do this uh that's that's uh something to be uh take some uh i'm going to say pride in but you know not egotistical pride but some satisfaction that yeah okay i'm doing i'm doing what i can you know
I don't know, we'd look around and see other people, you know, there's this expression in AA, comparing your insides to other people's outsides, you know. And you look at people and think, oh, they've got it all together, right? But, you know, you, you find out what's really going on in people's lives and you realize oh, everybody's got their challenges. Everybody experiences dukkha. Nobody is, you know, living up to these things uh, to a perfect degree. So what else? Yeah. Doesn't um, doing, to some extent, follow the practice? Doing? Well, here, these are the things that must be done. Must be done. That willing these to happen um, is kind of difficult. But I, and I think back when I, I took a course at the Stanford Compassion Institute. Yeah which was like 13 weeks long or something, and we would share from time to time about what was happening in our lives. Are we seeing anything? And it was really interesting to hear, you know, from a daily practice of loving kindness, how uh, people would come back and talk about. And I remember distinctly, I was sharing with friends of one woman who said she'd been let go from a university teaching position, and she carried so much anger towards the person who had responsible for her not her contract not being renewed, mm-hmm. and and so she, but as she was practicing it, she spent more time on on these thinking and and one day she rounded a corner, and there he was, and she mm. smiled, mm. and it was like such a shock to her. Yeah, that yeah. she had none of the negative feelings yeah. anymore. Yeah, and so I'm wondering if you know. I guess we we have to be conscious of trying to work on these things, but working on them without the loving kindness practice is much more difficult, right? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, just to respond to what you're talking about, that's this. This is a training, right? I mean, that's what how we it's characterized, but it really is. It's a training. It's training the heart and mind to respond differently to the world, to perceive the world differently. The, the, the reason I had you stop at that particular point in the sutta is because that's the point. The next line is when the sutta cha- turns. So up to that point, what you're getting is instruction on how to behave, how to live, how, attitudes to have. So it's the foundation for loving kindness. It's the sila, all right, the ethical morality kind of lifestyle way of being, both internally and externally, you know, to be, uh, you know, unattached, unburdened with duties and frugal uh, attitude, you know, contentment, humility, uh, you know, sp- uh, gentle in speech, straightforward and gentle in speech, all these, you know, able and upright, all these behaviors and attitudes that then prepare us, that lay the, fo- the groundwork for wishing in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. So it's all, it's all integrated, really. It's, this, isn't, this is all part of one sutta, and these things are all connected. So now we get these instructions, which I've talked about before, how these, these, are the, these, these two lines here are the ones that essentially give us 
the mind, the loving kindness practice that we know. May you be happy, may you be peaceful, may you be safe. Gladness and safety, may all beings be at ease. It's essentially saying the same thing. Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. So the practice is to wish that all beings may be at ease. And then it just, the next section just lists all the different beings. So maybe to emphasize that we're not leaving anybody out. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. So one of the things that strikes me about this just as a piece of literature is the way it goes between kind of the poetic and the prosaic. You know, you get this beautiful line, wishing in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease, be at ease. And then we have this line, the medium, short, or small, like we're choosing T-shirt sizes or something, you know. It's... And at the end of that section, it takes another turn. This is why this is such an interesting sutta. Now we go from this positive wish to what we don't want to do, right? Again, the negative. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. So that's the simile of the saw section of the sutta, right? Uh, And we could say that the the Gosinga part with the monks living together is kind of what the first section is where it's how you get along in the world and then we have the loving kindness part and then we have the simile of the saw part and then another turn of it now he shifts into describing this, this practice and the qualities even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. So this is uh, describing another kind of practice, whereas in the early part he says we should wish all beings be glad to safety and be at ease. Here we say that we should radiate this. Were you going to say something, Nancy? Okay. Um, And again, I talked about this line, even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child. So again, he's setting up this ideal that kind of seems unachievable, that I'm going to protect and cherish all living beings just as I would my only child. I mean, who could do that? That seems, you know, uh, impossible to imagine. But, but maybe we can have moments, you know. And again, we can have these kind of transcendent moments in our practice where this kind of like everything just opens up and we feel this intense love. And it's very powerful. You know, you tend to, this tends to happen more on, on an intensive retreat when you're doing you know, silent meditation practice for days and days and things just fall away and you can kind of have these moments where there's just this opening of just unbounded 
love. Uh, so there, there is that potential to taste it. Whether we can, as I say, like carry that on for every moment of our lives, well, I don't know about that. Um, but it's, it is also interesting to me that this, this idea of radiating over the entire world and where he's now, he's not even talking about being upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths. The, the last chapter of my book is about loving kindness for the environment and sort of taking these lines as that's what these teachings are saying. It's not just that we're going to love human beings, but that we're going to actually love the air and the earth and be kind to it. And, and clearly, one of the things that I didn't get into in the sutta, where the, where the monks are living together in the forest in their campsite, is how they, they talk about how they clean things up, that they don't throw away their garbage where there's any life or into any, any water where it's going to harm any living beings. They're very careful about where they dump their refuse and their, you know, their, uh, you know, their, um, what do they call the uh, chamber pots? Basically, we'd say I'm trying to find a euphemism for this. So we get through this section, and now it says it, we go back into a very dry kind of you know this very poetic, beautiful section of radiating kindness over the entire world, and then it says. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. So standing, walking, seated, lying down are the four postures in which the Buddha says we should practice mindfulness. If you're in any other posture, you don't have to practice mindfulness. So if you find some kind of a like, oh, what about this? No, you're standing. No, you're sitting. And... Uh, so, and this word recollection here is actually a translation of the word sati, which is the word we usually translate as mindfulness. So we could tr- translate this as one should sustain this mindfulness. So this is where the Buddha is explicitly connecting loving kindness and mindfulness. And, and of course, how are you going to practice actual loving kindness for beings without being mindful? was brought up before how your mind wanders when you're practicing. So how is it that you notice that your mind wanders when you're trying to practice loving kindness? You notice it because you're being mindful. So you have to be mindful of your practice even when you just you think you're just doing loving kindness. In the same way that when you're just doing mindfulness, there should be loving kindness supporting it, a kindness behind it. So free from drowsiness is a reference to the hindrance of sleepiness. And obviously, you know, you're not doing much good if you're falling asleep when you're meditating. Now the last four lines make another radical shift. And here, where it says, By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. It seems out of the blue you know it seems out of left field all of a sudden we're talking about things that don't seem I mean okay the pure hearted one that sounds like loving kindness but what does fixed views and being freed from sense desires and especially not born again into this world what does that have to do with this sutta 
So what these lines are referring to are the classical stages of awakening in Buddhism. Fixed views, the Buddha says that one of the causes of suffering is that we cling to our views and opinions. Well, we can see that all around us, right? And we can see it in ourselves too if we're willing to look at that. So one of the first things that gets lifted in this breakthrough called enlightenment is fixed views and opinions. We start to see that our views and opinions are all conditioned. They're all constructs. You know, they're based on our own experience and what and our tendencies. They aren't founded in reality. They are just constructed views and opinions. And we see that about ourselves. We see it about others. And that's very freeing to see that. You're not so stuck. You, you know, you disagree with someone and you can go, oh, well, maybe they're right, you know. Rather than, well, they're wrong, you know, our usual attitude. Clarity of vision. Enlightenment is often described as this moment of vision and knowledge. So we have the, the, even the term insight implies this kind of seeing, right? So uh, this is having insight. Being freed from all sense desires, this is a very advanced stage of enlightenment. But just to, rather than thinking of this, because it, it's not, I mean, it might be interesting, but it's not that helpful to think, oh, I have to be freed from all my sense desires to, you know, to get anywhere in Buddhism, but to just recognize the limitations of being driven by sense desires is a really good insight, right? Because if we live our lives completely driven by the search for pleasure, well, we're going to be frustrated and we're going to wind up harming ourselves and, you know, it's just not healthy. It's not a good way to live. Uh, so, so I just take that at the stage I am, the level of enlightenment that I am, <laughs> I take it as, oh, just don't let sense desires be the sole driving force behind all your actions and all your thinking. And then not born again into this world refers, again, classically to the idea that once we are enlightened, what we're, the thing that we're really freed from is the sense that we need to keep coming back and the, the, so, so our dukkha, our, our suffering is caused by this sense that I need to get things right. I need to get this light right. And if I could just figure this all out, then I'd be satisfied, right? But and the Buddha is saying, you're never going to be, there is no satisfaction in this world. This is a world that is inherently unsatisfactory. You, because when you arrive at the thing that you wanted and you get what you wanted, it's always impermanent. It always changes. You change, the thing changes. It's not enough. You know, you're number one on the charts. Then you've got to have another number one on the charts. Then you have to have enough. It's never enough, right? So the Buddha says, you know, really, freedom comes when we stop chasing that. And that that's... uh, that. In the in the the Buddhist philosophy is that reincarnation happens because we're still chasing some kind of satisfaction, and that when we stop chasing that, we stop being reincarnated, which you know in Western terms makes no sense because we think, well, 
I want to come back because I love life. You know, and that's because we don't really see deeply into the, the limitations of it. But again, to, for us to think of this in our own lives in a more practical way, if we think about this, like about re, being reborn is about creating self and about ego being reborn. And every time my ego, I start to focus on self, I'm being reborn. This is kind of like the psychological version of this understanding. And that if I stop recreating myself, if I stop being attached to self and creating self, I'm freeing myself in some way. So it's an incredible sutta when it, you come down to it. It's, it's so rich because it, it really, in some ways, takes you through the whole of the Buddha's teachings from sila to the morality to loving kindness to letting go, to seeing how suffering is created by clinging and to letting go of that and, and you know, spreading love and, and finding freedom. So um, I thought I would uh, close the day um, with uh, a song. So let me I need to move the microphone for my guitar. Mic on too? Yeah, I guess. Okay, very good. Maybe, Tim, could you move the bell over so we can move the mic a little bit? So, um, oh. So this is uh, my musical rendition of this sutta. It doesn't have all the words of the sutta in it, just the good stuff. Um, I don't know if I should say, like there's stuff that isn't good in a sutta, that's, that's not right. So, um, and you may have seen my CD out there, Laughing Buddha, and, and the, the, a lot of these songs I wrote... Um, for the family program here uh, that um, my daughter and I used to come to when she, when I could still, you know, make her do things. Uh, and, um, and so the, the, each summer there's a, a family retreat up the hill and really, really a joyful, wonderful uh, experience and um, and there'd be a lot of music so over the years because we went to that almost, I think every year for 10 years uh, I wrote uh, a bunch of songs uh, many of the songs that are on my CD are, are written originally for that so one of my purposes in writing those songs was to try to make the teachings more musical and kind of bring them uh, uh, 
you sort of plant them in people's minds. Um, so uh, I, this one, you know, starts with that image of the mother. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish every single living Even as a mother, a father protects with his life his child, his only child. Even so, with a boundless heart, should one cherish every single a living being, radiating. Kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. One should sustain this recollection, wishing. In gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be. Whether they are weak or strong, omitting not a single one, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small. This scene and Unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease, at ease. May all beings be at ease. Even as a mother. Protects with her life her child, her only child. So, with a boundless heart, should one cherish every single living being. 
cover the entire world Spreading upwards to the skies And downwards to the depths Outward and unbounded Freed from hatred and ill will One should sustain this recollection One should sustain this recollection start the day and end the day is, the music is nice the, what I played this morning uh, from Wes Nisker is actually uh, he and I are working on an album of his songs so that should be actually out pretty soon I'm hoping but um, I, I do like to end the day with uh, now I don't have a bell so I can't ring the bell oh maybe I can reach it um, with just a dedication of merit so let's just sit back and, and be comfortable for a moment and it's helpful just to begin to our, our dedication by appreciating this opportunity to practice to hear teachings that there is this beautiful center offering so much. And then to appreciate as well that we have each other to practice with. As Anuruddha says, it's a great benefit to have companions on the path, very difficult to practice alone to sustain our practice alone. And then to remember that the Buddha's teachings are not something that we take just for selfish purposes, that we study or practice just for ourselves. The Sutta with Anuruddha ends with the Buddha saying that the practice the monks are doing in the forest will ultimately be of benefit to all beings. And this is how we transform the world by transforming ourselves. This is not just a gift to ourselves but a gift to all beings. The traditional way of expressing that is dedicating whatever good karma, what merit we've gained from doing this practice, to dedicate it and give it away 
to all beings in the world, in all worlds. So in that spirit we dedicate the merit of our practice together today to the awakening of all beings. May all beings be free from suffering, be free from anger and ill will. May all beings be filled with hearts of love and compassion, with wisdom. May all beings be at peace, live with ease, live in safety and joy. Thank you all for coming today, for sharing this with me. It was really a delight. For those who don't know, I have a monthly class here called Dharma in Recovery, the second Friday of each month. Uh, I'll be teaching a day long on December 30th called Keep Coming Back, Dharma, Renewal, and Recovery. And um, my website is kevingriffin.net if you want to keep up with my teaching, you can sign up for my mailing list there. I occasionally send things out and you can see my calendar, my schedule. I don't have much more to do this year. So, uh, but uh, things will start to happen next year. So, hope to see you all again soon. Be well. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.